What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stay. And this episode is brought to you by our patrons and supporters on the Bestseller Academy. We have two new patrons this week as well, Lisbeth Red and Kelly McCabe. Let's pipe them aboard along with the others. Thank you to everyone who keeps this show going. We simply could not do it without you. Absolutely. And how are you, Mr. Stay? I'm very good. Thank you. I've been, I'm slightly frazzled because I've, uh, my proof pages arrived this week and I've been sitting here basically muttering to myself because I read them aloud, uh, and muttering to myself all week. So I'm halfway through and I've gone a bit cross-eyed and wobbly. Uh, and I, it's, it's important to get up and I've got a lot of housework done. Like, <laughs> you have to yes, get up and like, get the circulation going. It's just, oh, oh. But yeah, no, very I, good I half expected you to be curled up in a corner with a, with a half used box of Kleenex and a half empty, uh, packet of hobnobs just to comfort food as you go through. Cause I know that can be a hard, it can be a hard thing, can't it? Yeah, no, I've, I can't, I can't, I, I've got to keep moving around. Keep moving. Blood flow it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, do you know what? They yeah, do say, for anyone else who's, who's wondered about this, there is a very important thing. And as writers, we do sit on our butts a lot, but movement helps to change our state. And that's why it's good to get up and about. So yeah, if you, if you tend to find that you're kind of not feeling too great, get out, get out for a walk, uh, you know, and, and get, get moving, get moving. Um, when, in whichever way you can, it, it really does help. So excellent stuff. And Mr. State, I'm super excited this week because we have a new opening of the Bestseller Academy Ooh. happening at the beginning of September. The rumors um, are true. Uh, the rumors are true. So if you're interested in, in jumping on board and becoming an academate um, and getting courses and coaching from Mark and myself throughout the whole year and all the support, the incredible community we've got, pop over to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com. Dot com. And it's been quite a year, hasn't it, Mark? I mean, we've just been reflecting that it's been a year since we launched the Academy and it's quite mind-blowing just to to see the progress that, that the writers have made inside the Academy. Well, it's evolved into something really wonderful and it's and be, the people who are in the, the Academy, it's the people in the Academy have helped evolve that thing. So just before this recording, we had our weekly post-podcast chat. So if you're a member of the Academy, we will talk about the podcast we had last week and all the issues coming up. So we were talking about the Mick Finley episode last week. We were talking about psychology, historical research, all kinds of stuff. And everyone's making a contribution. And it's evolved into this wonderful, wonderful uh, community of writers, supportive writers, all helping each other up, all kind of, uh, you know, boosting each other's confidence. And now, of course, Towards the end of that year, we're starting to see, uh, you know, the projects that were a blurb, a few lines on a page, now going out in submission, now 
being completed. You know, not everyone's doing that. Some people are, you know, are, are, are taking longer because this isn't, I know we did the bestseller experiment and it was like 12 months and we'll get something out. But writing, as we'll hear from our guest today and as we'll talk about later, it's a never ending journey. It's a continuous thing. It never, ever stops. It is, isn't it? It's it's a lifelong journey. In some ways, you can't commit to it for a few days. When we keep using this 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 saying in, in the academy that you know, writing is a marathon, not a sprint. And what I find really fascinating, we always we always had this sense, having worked on the podcast for five years, learning about the, just the, there's so many different types of writers out there. We we thought we could find the seven secret habits of every writer, and we knew that there are really important core principles, but the one thing that we do know for certain is that every single writer is unique. And mm-hmm. so we create the Academy, made a very specific decision to create the Academy as a choose your own adventure where we recognize every single writer that comes into the Academy has unique needs, has unique lifestyles. We we had someone come to coaching last week. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, we had, we had a load of people come to the coaching and they submit their questions in advance. And then I, uh, when we both, whether it's life coaching on my side and the craft coaching on your side, but the, the, right in the middle of the screen was, um, the lovely Rose and on her lap was her, uh, her very young, I think probably a toddler, maybe younger than toddler son sitting on a lap. And here's a, a mum who's like studying, has got a family, uh, it's all on the go. And yet she's able to turn up because she knows how important that is for her. And I think with a lot of people, in fact, a lot of, a lot of stories I've heard in the Academy, there's so many people who are so busy in life that they've always put writing off. Writing's always going to be one of those things they do when they find the time or in some cases when they retire. But what we all know is that life never gets any less busy. If you speak to anyone I always remember my parents saying when they got retired, I, I said, what are you going to do with all the time? We've never been busier. We've got this club and this thing. We're volunteering here. And it, and it, it, even in retirement, it's a myth and a fallacy to think that one day you'll have enough time for writing. You have to fit writing around your busy life and snatching 20 minutes to write 200 words a day and coming to a coaching session keeping that thread. I mean, you, you've, you've seen this in your life, haven't you, Mark, since you kind of, you know, left the publishing industry and became, you know, full-time writer. Life doesn't get any less busy, does it, when you have suddenly have a bit extra time? <laughs> extra time? I, no, no chance. No chance. No, it's, it's my day is crazy busy. And um, it's not just the writing, but it's all the stuff that comes with it as well. But uh, yeah, the day fills up um as to quote Radiohead, a life full up like a landfill, you know, it just keeps piling on. Yeah. But I do that my writing time, I still carve time around. I used to work around my commute, half hour on the train, hour for lunch, half an hour at home. I'm still writing about two hours a day, but the difference mm. is it's solid. It's from 7.30 in the morning to 9.30 in the morning. And um, that's that's the sacred time. And then I deal with all the other stuff, including, you know, doing bits of housework and stuff as well uh but yeah it's uh you you've got to carve out that that precious sacred little little moment where you can shut the door and have fun with your characters and creating new worlds and and telling wonderful stories yeah and for many people we found that the accountability side of things is very hard when they're doing it on their own and that's i think where the where the academy's really helped a lot of people and that they actually have 
something to show up to. They have uh, in now, and the really great thing we've launched recently is this writing buddies. And that means that every single day you have a writing buddy that you're sending your word count to. It like literally takes two minutes, but what's great is it prompts you if they, if they send you their writing count for the day beforehand, it kind of makes you think, oh, I've got to get mine in. And you kind of add it at work as this like tag team. And even just after the first few months of doing this, we've seen the the um, incredible results of people who are even struggling to write at all during the week. Um, mm. You know, we'll hear about some wins later on, you know, people actually getting their first ever week streak, you know, of writing seven days in a row. Um, and so for many of us, it's the count, the accountability that's missing in our writing life. We just, you know, it's incredibly hard to be disciplined as a writer um again it goes to all the distractions that we have as well but um i i think about 95 percent of writers need accountability external accountability accountability is a kind of scary word it mm. might conjure up uh, images of being dragged to the front of the class and oh, i haven't done my homework but all it is is just checking in and the writer buddy thing is brilliant because you've got a friendly face there you're both in the same boat you're both trying to achieve the, achieve the same goals there's no one upmanship there's no you are friends on a journey you know helping each other out i still use whenever i do my words every day i still log them on the 200 words a day thing because i like it i like to check in and just let people know still writing you know i'm still I'm still relevant um, yeah <laughs> so and it, it helps me and it gives me a sense of satisfaction at the end of a writing session you know that yeah, yeah. done cool excellent i want to share something with you mark i was i was i journal every day and i find that's a really important thing to do um and it's good writing practice as well funny enough but i was i was journaling last night actually and um there was a question that came up in a in a a book that I was reading and it said the question was um if you look back if, if this was the last week of your life and you look back over your life today like what what things what things that you've done in your life would you say were you most um pleased about doing like what are the highlights of the things you did and it's a really interesting question because it re it really cuts to the chase you know it really stop and think like what are the things that most that were the most relevant things that you did in amongst all the crazy busy things that we do. And, you know, one of the things, one of the things that I wrote was, um, well, actually two of the things actually were book related, uh, three or three things. One was this podcast, because I think, you know, it's been five years. Um, we've built an incredible amount of, um, of interviews and, and that's out there in the world now. And that's helping people. We know it's helping people every day. So that's a, that's a real kind of important thing that, that, that this podcast sprung brought to the world. But um, I've also written down here, writing back to reality with Mark was one of them. And the other one was, um, you know, publishing Jenny's very last monster book. And it's interesting when you actually look at the whole, you know, many, many years that we've now been alive and been blessed with this, you know, these, these days that we're still getting. Many, it's funny many, that when you, many, 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 many years. more, right. But, <laughs> but what's really interesting is that when you boil it down, I, I challenge any writer to do this exercise and ask the question, is your book or is the book you're currently writing or is the book that you published or all the books you published on that list? And I, I would 100% guarantee that they will be because writing a book is one of the most important things you can do in your life. It's something that lives beyond us. Mm. Um, it's it's uh, something that we can show for all the years that we've been here, it's something kind of tangible and it's like a work of art, literally. 
And so do, if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about, you know, your life and you're dwelling on what you want to be doing with, with, you know, your own writing career moving forward and your writing dreams, write that list. You know, what, are, what are you most proud of that you've achieved in your life? And if you haven't, if, if you, if you feel there's a big hole and it's because you haven't written a book, then that's another reason to, to think about, you know, getting the extra support and accountability. So, um, I mean, when you look at your life, when you look back at your life, Mark, I mean, you've had some incredible things happen in your life. I mean, the films, the books, how high up the list are they for you? Well, I'm assuming we're putting family on another Of tier, course, yeah. Having, you know, yeah, having, no, the first thing I've got here is bringing up, bringing up my children, having a, yeah, you know, yeah. A wonderful relationship with my wife. All these different things, absolutely. But then- having kids that aren't serial killers always, a, always a bonus. Always, a, you know. I mean, you know, they're still young, still plenty of time. Well, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe that, just that, on cat, maybe on film, that'd be fine, but not in real life, right? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I yeah, but um, yeah, I think just getting to a point in my life where I can write and be happy. Um, hmm. That's that's a big one for me. And you know the, we'll talk later on because I, I want to talk later on about how a writer measures success, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that in more detail. But yeah, I mean, writing the books that I want to write, getting to see what I've written on a on a screen, um, and, and actually, this this podcast is by far and away the best thing I ever did as a writer. Mm. Um, because I'm learning every day. I'm in the academy. I'm learning from the academates. Uh, I'm learning from the guests that we talk to. I mean, you go back and listen to me in those first few few episodes. And one of the things we're doing in the academy is we're we're letting them see. Should we tell? Should we tell? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're gonna we're gonna let academates see the first first three or four chapters of the first draft of Back to Reality. Which had a different title now. It's called Forty Two Twenty Four or something. Yeah. And and going back, I just the other day because we're preparing that for them. I'm doing like a director's commentary on you know <laughs> marking things up. Going, what was I thinking? We cut all this. Uh, me and Mister D had an argument over this one word. Uh, and looking at it and thinking, you know, I'm a different writer now. Completely different. All that outlining that's gone. All of the, and I've learned so much. So yeah, this in terms of. My writing, this podcast is is number one, absolutely. Mm, mm. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, actually, the whole we, we, it was funny. We had the academates push us, so we're saying we want to see the first draft of the book. And I was just looking through it literally before we we came on on air this morning, and and I had to say to you that that's the chapter that we it's actually it's gone. It's it's never appeared in the book. Whoosh. Chapter one of our book, the very first kind of hard conversation we had with our editor was about chapter one and she basically said to us jenny bless her heart she said to us chaps that that chapter has to go and we were like what no it's like the whole set she goes yeah it's the setup it's to get to the action right and um it's so weird and i think a lot of authors don't do this they don't kind of especially giving time to it like going back after like three four years now Mm. you really have that distance to be able to see how things have changed and how different you see things um, but I want to thank the academates who pushed us to put that up there because it's been a really fascinating thing for us to, but it's also the great thing is, is it, I mean, it wasn't great, was it? I mean, it was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't that it was, I mean, compared yeah. to how it finished up, it's a good reminder of like first drafts are always 
you know, yeah, it was it was treading water. There's a couple of important bits of information in there. They just get folded in later on in, yeah. in action. And but yeah. weirdly, the chapter after that hardly changed at all because that really does deliver in terms of story and character. Yeah. Uh, and then the chapter after that again, gone. Um, you know, not needed. So mm. it's yeah, it's weird. But it's you don't miss it. I don't miss it. Do you? It's no, I thing, don't. You know, I, mm. I don't. But I think it's like you say, it's really good. I think it's a good exercise for people to do is to go back and look at their earlier work, especially if they are still questioning whether they're any good at writing. Mm. Because the one thing that we know, you know, in the academy and having done this podcast for so many years, we know that the more you write, the better you get. You do not get, you do not become a worse writer by writing and practicing. We know it's like, I was trying to do keepy-uppies out, outside the other day when my son <laughs> left a football. I haven't done keepy-uppies. So keepy-uppies is like kicking a, trying to get a football in the air, like keeping it, stopping it from hitting the ground. My son left the ball out in the garden and I was like walking back to the house from the studio and um, it was getting dusk, put the chickens to bed. And I thought, oh, I haven't kicked a football in ages. <laughs> and I said to myself, okay, challenge myself, 10 keepy-uppies, then I can go inside. I was out there for an hour. Four hours <laughs> later. Chasing crickets. this. I was chasing the ball. I was getting really annoyed. I was like, oh, I was, I thought I used to be up to about like a hundred of these 10 mm. years ago. I've got a bit of a knee problem, which is why I haven't been kicking a ball in the last few years. But I'll, yeah, you know, but I was just, I, but I realized, I realized that it's just practice. And eventually I stuck with it. I got my 10. I felt really good. And now my, now my goal is, is that I have to do 10 keepy uppies before I go back into the house every night. And I'm just going to see how much easier it gets. And so you don't get worse by practicing. You can only get better. So if you're still one of these writers and we know they exist, we all, we're all part of those writers. There's many of them in the academy. I don't think my writing is good enough. I don't think my writing will ever be good enough. Look back and read something that you wrote even last year or five years ago and look backwards to see how much you've improved. Don't keep looking forwards all the time at your favorite writer in the world and say, I'm never going to be as good as them because that's what most people do. They always are looking up, which is good. I mean, you want to aspire to become as good as them, but you've got to look backwards occasionally and say, look where I've come from. Wow. You know, I've really grown as a writer and um, I'm just, I'm measure. just trying to, just trying to imagine all those chickens, their heads bopping up and down, watching you going, what is, what is he doing? I know. We think chickens are weird, but they're watching us going, what, the, what's the, what is the point of that? Like, what is he doing? <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Oh, dearie me. But anyway, let's, um, let, we're going to talk more about um, some of the incredible things that have happened in the Academy after our interview, including, as a, a little preview, I want to share with you one of the things that I'm most blown away at is that we we have a forum called Share Your Wins on the Academy. And it's where we ask people to put all of their wins, small and large, you know, some of them are huge, some of them are, you know, huge in their own individual's life. But we passed um, just last week, 100 wins um, uh, advertised, not advertised, but promoted by the, the Academies, which was incredibly heartwarming to read. So, you know, proof in the pudding of how it's helping people in their lives. But um, we'll dive into that later because we have an incredible interview um, with Akia Abdullamak. Tell us a bit about Akia. Akia is an author and a travel writer from London. Her novel, Take It Back, was named one of the best thrillers of 2019 by The Guardian and The Telegraph. Her latest novel, Next of Kin, is out in September. 
we, we don't normally do interviews before a book comes out, but we're doing this because of the pre-orders. And for this book's pre-orders, Kia is doing something extraordinary. And if you can help her out with this, it'd be amazing. We also discuss writing difficult subjects and issues, how to decide if you're the right person to write a story, representation, and how travel feeds a writer's imagination. Excellent. So let's dive in and listen to Mark chatting with the wonderful Kia Abdullah. Kia Abdullah, welcome to The Bestseller Experiment. How are you today? I'm very well, Mark. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm so excited because not only are we here to talk about your fabulous new book, Next of Kin, but you, for the pre-orders, you are doing something extraordinary. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So basically, I am donating all my profits from pre-orders of Next of Kin to the Trussell Trust, which is a food bank charity. When those orders are placed either via my website, kiaabdullah.com or Castle Hill Bookshop in Yorkshire. Brilliant. Why the Trussell Trust? Mark, I grew up in Tower Hamlets, which is one of the UK's worst areas for child poverty. The rate is about 57% now and may well have been higher when I was younger. And I benefited from free school meals. But to be honest, I never really thought about it very much until Marcus Rashford's work last year. And he campaigned to have free school meals continue throughout the various lockdowns and school holidays. And that reminded me that food insecurity is still a problem in the UK and just how detrimental it can be. And the Trussell Trust do incredible work in this area. Last year, they donated two and a half million food parcels to those in crisis and almost a million of those went to children. And I believe that's a 33% increase on the year before. So the pandemic has had a huge and dramatic effect. And that will probably continue for years to come. What an amazing idea. How did that, uh, wh- when you have an idea like this, because this is coming through your website and it's coming through uh, an independent bookshop as well. I mean, it's um, what are the logistics? Are, are you, you going to be there boxing and packaging stuff yourself? <laughs> I mean, it probably will be, you know, you have to put it put in the elbow grease. So partly it was because I wanted to help my local bookshop In the pandemic, they've had such a difficult year because they've been deemed as non-essential, as we all know. And Castle Hill is a tiny little bookshop in Richmond in North Yorkshire. And so I was going to funnel my pre-orders through them anyway. Mm. And I thought, well, after the work of Marcus Rashford, it was so inspiring. And I thought, I'm in a position to be able to help. And so why not join forces with my local bookshop and basically engineer this campaign so they'll be talking to harper collins and ordering the copies and i'll be going in and signing them and most likely helping packing as well brilliant absolutely brilliant well folks we're going to put a link in the show notes uh but if you go to kiaabdullah.com forward slash books forward slash next of kin you can order it there i've got my copy on order kia i'm looking forward to receiving it it just seems You're like such, amazing thank you such, well, well that's just like it's it's you know it's it's i get a great thriller i get a signed book oh, that's always good to get a book through the post which is always a joy but if there's any way to help out you know that's um that's just a bonus so i think it's such such a wonderful idea now if someone the book is out on september 2nd and if someone's listening to this after publication and thinking oh i wish i could do that can can they still get involved they can so up to 2000 copies i will be donating my profits to the trust or trust so if we haven't hit the figure yet at publication date that will carry on yes Wonderful, wonderful stuff. But hey, look, let's talk about the book that they get for their money. Tell tell us about Next of Kin. 
Yes, so Next of Kin is a courtroom drama in which a London architect called Leila Saeed receives a panicked phone call from her brother-in-law one morning. His son's nursery have called to ask where little Max is. Leila was supposed to drop him off at nursery that morning, but she forgot that he was in her car. She races to the car park and realises the horror of what she has done. And what follows is an explosive criminal trial that pits one sister against another. And through that framing, exposed the themes of motherhood, childlessness, and the ways in which society treats women based on whether or not they have children. And like my previous two courtroom dramas, you know, it can be read as a pure thriller, but it also asks the reader to engage with some deeper issues as well. Excellent stuff. I do, I do want to talk about that because... You're not one to shy away from subjects that can be difficult to to write about. I mean, gender roles, cultural expectations, religion, identity, race. Do you ever think, oh, I can't put that in, or I can't do that? Or do you just rush in and fortune favours the bold? Does anything kind of give you pause? It's tricky, Mark, because when I started writing my first courtroom drama, Take It Back, it was before, you know, the, the, these discussions around kind of cultural appropriation and council culture and all of this um, in a difficult climate that we're in at the moment. And the central premise, which is four Muslim boys are accused of rape by a disabled white girl. You know, it is quite incendiary. And I certainly didn't shy away from it back then. I wonder if I would have thought twice about it now. I like to think that I wouldn't. Um, when I'm writing, certainly kind of, you know, in the flow, I don't shy away and I don't self-censor because I don't think there's any point of writing a kind of falsely sanitized version of reality in fiction. I think part of the role of fiction is to reflect the world as we see it. Um, so no, I, I'm really attracted to those kind of dark contemporary issues. Um, there may come a time when I think, oh, you know, that that issue isn't really mine to write about. Um, I did briefly think about writing a story about a trans issue, but look, I don't have any trans friends. I'm not trans. And so I just thought, well, if I'm not fully engaged in that world, maybe it's not my place to write it. So there have been times where I've had to kind of assess my motivations for writing a story. But when I've kind of decided on a plot, I don't tend to self-censor, no. That's Really fascinating because this is a conversation we're seeing going around on Twitter at the moment about is this your story to tell? And if it isn't, why are you doing it? Are you doing it for your glory or for you know to help out uh, 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 you know a, a certain you know uh, a faction of of our culture? And it is um, it's a question you you have to ask yourself, isn't it? Why why am I writing this? What drives me to write this? And can I tell this from a position of truth? That's that's um, yeah. that's a, that's a line also, we all have to cross, isn't it? Exactly. And you also have to see whose voices are missing. And so mm. if you want to write, say, a trans piece of fiction, are there enough trans writers out there writing their own stories? And if so, mm. you know, if you can actually count five books by trans people or 10 books by trans people, then maybe that's fine for you to throw your voice in the, in the hat, so to speak. But if there aren't, then you have to question, am I actually taking a somebody else's role? Because as you know, Mark, the way publishers work, if they have a, say, 
the, the their India book for the year, they're probably not going to publish another India book for the year because they've already got that. And so, you know, if you're not Indian, but you're, you've taken that kind of Indian novel of the year, then you are actually taking that from somebody else. And so it, it is a tricky, it, it's a minefield. Um, I think, look, the solution is just to have more diversity. Um, one thing I struggled with when I started was the kind of burden of representation because I was one of the few Muslim writers out there. There was all this pressure on me to write a positive story. And, you know, as I said before, I don't see any point in writing a kind of falsely positive story because you're represent, you're trying to represent, you know, over a billion people. The solution is just to have more more writers from that demographic and a natural proliferation of positive stories. You know, the, the writer Aisha Malik grapples with race in her book, This Green and Pleasant Land, but does it in a very light touch, humorous way. Yeah. My book, Take It Back, does it in a gritty way. You know, a third Muslim writer might do it in a in the context of a rom-com or a sci-fi or a fast school comedy. You know, if there are more of us, there will be more stories and that's the solution. Amen to that fantastic stuff. I'd like to talk about where it all started for you, because as from what I can gather, you were writing really since you were six years old and, and stories were how you connected with your mother. Is that right? That's true. Well, you, you, you dug deep there, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so look, my mother and I, um, we never really had a very strong bond, but it was through stories that we really bonded. So storytelling's always been important to me. I remember being about four years old and basically refusing to eat unless she told me a story. In, in Sileti, my mother tongue, the phrase is kichaho, tell me a story. And so that instilled an early love for storytelling. And I grew up writing my own I remember when I was about 10 or 11, leaving primary school for secondary school, one of my teachers, bless him, gave me a notebook and pen and said, when you're on public transport and you hear interesting snippets of conversation, write it down in your notebook and use it in your own stories. And that early vote of confidence meant so much to me, which is why I always say to adults, if you see a spark of promise or ambition in a child, tell them because you don't know where that's going to lead. Um, you know, and so I was always writing, but Mark, when I, when it came to choosing my degree, I kind of followed the money. I'm from an immigrant background. I didn't know anybody who was a writer or a journalist or making a living from writing. And so I followed the money. But to be honest, I don't regret that because it's those three years in tech that allowed me to take the 50% pay cut I needed in order to take a full-time role as a writer. Wow. Wow. Was there any point where you thought, because you're not seeing yourself in publish in publications on books or whatever, was there any point where you thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to give up? Or did you just, you know, what, what kept you going through all of that? I think, again, I come back to the power of storytelling. So for me, one of the books that were really formative when I was younger was Anne of Green Gables, you know, and, and this is about a red-haired, freckled, you know, white orphan child in Canada, as far away from me as you could possibly get. But I related to her because she didn't allow all these expectations to pull her back. And that really changed my way of viewing the world. And made me into a bit of a feminist, to be honest, because Anne was probably the kind of first real feminist I read in fiction. And so I do believe in the kind of transcendent power of fiction and good characters. It doesn't always need to be linked to identity. And so I think I still saw myself in fiction, but in terms of characteristics. And so I don't think I ever felt discouraged by the fact that I hadn't seen any kind of Asian characters in fiction. Excellent. That's so wonderful to hear. 
we love hearing about writers' writing habits on the podcast. I saw somewhere you're a 1500 word a day writer. Is that right? Yes. So when when I'm on deadline, that can crank up to 2000, but 2000 awful, terrible, bad words. And then I'll go back and edit 1500 words a day. I'm not sure if that's sustainable, Mark. Right now I'm on a book a year contract, but I think if I do get another book deal, I probably will push for one every other year. I just, um, because I also run a travel blog and before the pandemic, I was on the road for three or four months of the year. And so both of those things were quite difficult to tackle. And now that the world is opening up again, the last thing I really want to do is just be at my desk for six months straight. You know, I want to go out in the world. And that's really important for writing fiction, I believe, as well. And so so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, well, that segued perfectly to my next question, which is I, I know you're a travel writer. And I was looking at the list of places that you've written about the Maldives, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, French Polynesia, you know, we're thinking azure seas, blue skies, golden sands, a gentle breeze coming in off the sea. Uh, and you've spoken about how travel inspires your writing. How did you keep the creative fires burning in lockdown, locked inside? Oh, God, it has been really difficult. So for me, being out in the world is such an important component of fiction. You know, I talked about my teacher who said, you know, when you're on a on a train or a bus and you hear interest, interesting snippets of conversation, write them down. And so when I hear, you know, a distinctive laugh or a, an interesting feature in a face, I'm always, oh, I'll be having that. Um, and so writing in a vacuum, writing fiction in a vacuum has definitely been really difficult for me. Last week, I was in a restaurant and I saw this gentleman walk in with his wife and two kids. And he was, you know, in glasses, looked very straight laced, but he was in a hoodie and and the back of it said, born to defy. And I thought, oh, he's an interesting character. You know, is he wearing that ironically? Or does he have a warped sense of his own identity? Or is he actually an anarchist? And so just seeing interesting people feeds into my fiction. And so I'm just really enjoying being out in the world, listening to people, hearing conversations. It, ha- it has been really difficult under lockdown, to be honest. I have struggled to write fiction, but I'm of the kind of brute force your way to the end. Don't stop. Don't look back. Um, and then go back and, and try to polish. You know, sometimes it's putting lipstick on a pig, but but <laughs> you've got to persevere. <laughs> uh, where are you going next? Where, what's, what's, what's the next travel destination for you, Kia? Right. So theoretically, it's a, it's a huge one, Mark. It's Antarctica in November. No. And so we were, yes, yeah, so we were booked on that to go in December last year for work on commission for the travel blog that I run. And then obviously because of the pandemic, it got postponed. And so we have been rebooked in November, but it all depends on what's happening in the world. Obviously, the priority is to be able to travel safely and make sure you're not putting people in danger at the destination to which you're traveling. But fingers crossed, if the world you know, starts to return to normal, Antarctica in November is the big one. Fantastic. And what's coming up for you next in the writing world? So Next of Kin is out on 2nd of September, and I'm currently on deadline for the fourth novel, which is due at at the end of September, crazily. So, you know, as you know, you're often working on one book, promoting the other and editing another. And so I'm kind of have all these balls in the air that I'm juggling. And I also want to kind of get back into writing short form as well. I really like opinion writing, but that kind of falls by the wayside because I'm tr- I'm juggling the kind of travel writing with the fiction. Um, but again, that all depends on, you know, whether HarperCollins give me another book deal. 
uh, the future looks bright, but we'll see. <laughs> okay, well, that's fantastic. Well, Kit, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Folks, let's just remind ourselves, next of kin, go to kiaabdullah.com forward slash books forward slash next of kin. You can get a signed hardback. It's free postage. Uh, every copy you buy helps the Trussell Trust, and you'll be doing a good thing in the world. And there's, you know, these days, we need as much of that as we can, don't we, Kia? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to you, Mark, and the other Mark as well, because I love the podcast and you guys are so oh, helpful. You. Um, you know, when you are on submission or you're trying to find an agent, it's such a lonely time and you see all these other writers having incredible success and you remind us of the struggle and of the successes. And so you do such an important job. So thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy and hope to speak to you again very, very soon. It was so lovely to hear Kia say these words. She said she's got a year book deal, so she has to produce a book every year, but she'd come to the conclusion that she'd much rather do a book every other year. Doesn't that just completely validate everything we were saying before the interview about choose your own adventure? You have to find your own pace at which you want to go. Yeah, yeah. And... This is it. I mean, let's let's talk about how you define success as a writer. And um, writing, writing and getting published is hard, and it, it it doesn't get much easier, even even as you go on. I mean, uh, if you if you're a woman, it's harder. If you're a person of color, it's even harder. Again, there are gradations of difficulty in this business, but it's never easy for any writer. I mean, I'm a white bloke. I'm working class, but I can pass for middle class. So I can do the accent and everything. You know, I worked in publishing, and it's still not a walk in the park. And I think, I think there is a feeling when you start out, when writers starting out, they write one book, they'll get an agent, a publisher, a deal, and it's all peaches and cream. Or they might decide to eschew the whole publishing machinery and go indie answerable only to themselves and they can publish what they want and then it's all peaches and cream. Uh, and, and we know that's not the case. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many books and scripts I finished before I got an agent and how many more after, you know, before I got a deal. Um, whatever path you choose, whatever kind of writer you are, you have one thing in common. And I'll come to that in a minute. But bad stuff happens and it continues to happen. Rejection, bad reviews, it never stops. But what happens... What does change is your reaction to it. Now, when these things first happen, it feels like the end of the world. When it happens to me now, I kind of laugh and shrug and get back to work. But how do you define success as a writer? What And what are you writing for? Is it for awards, good reviews, money? Well, the problem with those things is you can't control them. Pining after those is only going to bring you unhappiness. I mean, it's a nice surprise if you get one, but, you know. But what you can control is your commitment to the reader. And that's what every writer, indie, traditional, hybrid, Kia, you, me, this is what we all have in common, which is the reader. Write for the reader. Write to entertain, to thrill, to frighten, to make them laugh, cry, gasp, keep turning those pages. Do that. And I think you're a successful author. And I think this is this is something that takes a, a long time to learn you know, and this isn't about giving the audience what they want or trying to second guess the market. You know, this is this is about writing what you are passionate about and making it entertaining. I, I think back to what Joe Hill told us. You know, why should I read your book? Have you seen what's on on Netflix? And I think Kia is the perfect example of this. She writes difficult subjects, but she makes it entertaining. But she's also defining 
you know, her own, in her own terms, what is success as a writer. So for her, it's not about having a book every year, but it's about writing the best book she can write every two years or whenever she wants. But yeah, write for the reader. Don't, don't chase things that are out of your control, but fulfill that commitment that you have to the reader to be the best writer you can be. And this for me is what we're all about, what the podcast is all about, what the academy is all about, is finding in you that writer and and that commitment that you have to the reader and providing them with the best story that you possibly can does that make sense it totally makes sense yeah it's it's all it's actually i mean there's a, there's a tendency as writers that we get a little bit stuck in our own journey um and our own kind of career and it's a lot of i mean as as a you know writers are by nature very um self-reflective and 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 you know, a lot of times we were working in isolation. So we're kind of like, we're trapped in our own world so often, but the audience is that connection. Um, that is the reason why people do it. Ultimately, you know, there is no other reason why people write a book, um, unless they're writing it for their own benefit, just to sit and read and chuckle to themselves. It's, it's, it's for the audience. And, and actually one thing I've learned actually through and, and then linked to to what Keir was saying, I set up a, a charity in the UK, which is called Food Share, and it actually um, it's a similar kind of charity to Trussell Trust, and it works. You know, it's it's kind of working with food banks and help, and kids are growing um, food in schools to to donate to food banks and local charities. But the thing that I got from having set that up and and working in that charity is this incredible sense of. Um, something bigger than myself. It was trying to do something which was for a larger purpose and has more of an impact than just something that you personally benefit from in your own life. And in many ways, that's what writing is. When when we sit down to write, what we're trying to do is create a change, a shift, an emotional shift, um, a different way of perceiving the world in a larger audience, bigger than just ourself, our own small network. The reason why, and this is really getting to the nub of why we do this, the reason why everyone would love a bestseller is, is yeah, it would be nice to see your name at the top of the charts. Absolutely. But the reason we're actually doing it, if we strip it right the way down and really dig deep, the reason we're doing it is because writers would love to be able to serve and I say that word very broadly, but serve a largest audience as possible and change people's lives on a biggest scale as possible. And that's what it's about. It's a purely, a bestseller is purely a reflection that you have influenced the largest number of people you possibly have could, could have done. And your book, your words, and what your life is will be impacting a larger amount of people. And this is why we show up every day. I mean, we call it, we guys, we put the bestseller guys around it, but it's about making our life matter, making our life be relevant. And most importantly, using the time that we have on this planet for good in some way, right? I mean, absolutely. every story we write has an impact on someone, if not many, many people. And we never know that. We never know the full impact because we don't get like a updated chart, like a, you know, you can't refresh that page on Amazon and see how many lives you've impacted. Wouldn't that be nice if you could do that? Um, and that's why we do it. So I think it's really important to, to if, if you're lost in writing right now, reconnect with the reason why you're doing it. You know, the real reason, the bigger reason, the life reason. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's why authors like Kia are so important because when she was growing up, she's not seeing authors like her. She's not seeing Muslim authors writing, you know, thrilling fiction. You know, so for someone like her to break through and and do the kind of things that she's doing is, is absolutely brilliant. She did also mention uh, in the interview there uh, an author called Aisha Malik. Uh, we did interview Aisha in episode 271. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can check that out as well. Because Aisha, again, writes really great, fun, entertaining, uh, really commercial fiction. But it's fiction that is designed to reach out to readers in the best possible way. You know, Aisha and Kia have this thing where they're writing for the reader. They're fulfilling that commitment to the reader and they are uh, eliciting a change in them. And you're absolutely right. And and the more people you can reach with that, the better. And exactly. That, you know, and, and, and the bestseller thing, like you say, it's all, it's all cool and fun. But um, the fact is, if you can... I mean, you know, when we did Robot Overlords, it wasn't released properly. Not enough people saw it. But the the, the happiest moment of that whole experience was a couple of years ago at a science fiction convention. <laughs> and an 11-year-old boy came up to me and he said, you wrote this? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, it's my second favourite film. <laughs> and that for me was absolutely fantastic because, you know, I can imagine... I know what it's like because I sat in my room when I was 11 devouring, you know, books like the Stainless Steel Rat books or Adrian Mole or stuff like that and having a connection with it. And it sparks a little fire in your brain. And it doesn't mean everyone who reads your book is going to go on to be a writer, but it might it might make them think about the world in a slightly different way. It might make their day a little bit happier, a little bit brighter. They might be thrilled. It might make them cry. It might make them think about you know, a member of the family that they've not spoken to in a while, maybe they pick up the phone, anything like that. I know great books have done that to me. They've moved me in a way that have made me think, uh, maybe seeing the world in a, in a slightly different way. And that is, that's success. Yeah. That is success. I, I think um, there's other, there's a whole other tapestry that's weaved as well when you read a book. I'm reading a book right now called The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. It's oh, about yeah. a guy by kind of, just decides to walk to Scotland from the south of England. He's 65 mm. and retired in this, you know, humdrum life and just says, pops down to the post a letter one day and keeps walking. It's really yeah. interesting. And it's, and I look, I read that book and I think, well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not retired yet. I'm not 65. I'm not. But what I found is just reading this book about this guy reflecting on what he's done with his life and all the th- failings and all the misgivings and all the things he wished he'd done. And now he's doing this big adventure. I'm finding it's weaving a tapestry in my own thought process during my day of making me question these things. Like ask myself, yeah. well, you know, what, what's important, right? And so it sometimes it's not. Sometimes a book isn't like the like that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, revelation, or I never thought of the world like I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to tra- change how I'm. But I think it's that subtle weaving, this undercurrent that we we get when we live with a book when we're reading that book, and. Um, that for me is as impactful and almost has a longer term impact on how it changes someone's life than, than, you know, a book that hits you in the face and makes you think, wow. Um, and it's just, there's so many, there's so many intangibles. I, I, as a, as a stats guy, right. I wish we could measure this stuff because it's, there's so many intangibles that we cannot, we cannot touch and feel like as a writer, you, like I said, you will never know the impact your book has had on the greater world. Mm. 
all I can say is that whatever impact you think it's had, it will have had more. It will have more because you never know all the people who've read it, who've, you know, somebody, you know, your, your Amazon sales show this number, but how many people have, have then given that book to someone else to say, you've got to read this book. And how many times have you actually got an email from someone, a reader telling you, wow, your book changed my life? Very, very rarely. But then I always flip that question. How many times have we written to an author whose book has changed our life and told them that? Very rarely, if ever. It's not that it's not having an impact. It's just that we don't think to actually send those emails, right? We don't think to, 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 to make, make a point because we think, well, they're not going to, you know, so-and-so is not going to read you know, this best-selling author's not going to read my email. Yes, they will. And it'll be the best email they've got all year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. challenge, yeah. challenge to everyone. If a book's changed your life this week, this year, write and tell the author and you might get a response. You might actually get a response. I did it with Terry Pratchett. I did it with Tom Clancy, uh, Richard Branson. I wrote to once got a response from It's like bonkers, you know, people appreciate that feedback. And it also teaches you of the greater story that's going on with your book in the world and your and that's why folks that's why you must write it's not a case of writing when you have the time it's not a case of you know waiting till retirement retirement might never come it didn't come for my wife right she she had dreams of writing many books she got a one book written but it didn't so you've got to take you've got to grab this opportunity today and write today 200 words Write 200 words today and you'll be 200 words ahead of where you were yesterday and your writing will be a little bit better than it was yesterday. But don't put this off anymore. There are too many people in this world that lie on their deathbed and have those regrets. We, we don't have the luxury of time in our life to wait to do things. We have to do it now. We have to get on with it. So, um, Gosh, you've gone very deep today, haven't we? But it, but this wow. is why we, but this is why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, I, I, you know, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but there are moments where we have to really acknowledge the importance of what writing is in your life and what writing does to those around you and who you then inspire through writing. Like you said, Mark, I mean, who knows if that little 11 year old boy, he might be writing robot fan fiction for all you know. He might be the next Steven Spielberg because he starts writing and doing movies because he was inspired. Because again, if you think back to who you met as a kid, do you remember that feeling? Do you remember that feeling when we, we were like, you know, young, early teens, that feeling of like the excitement of a book, mm. that childlike magic of disappearing off into a fantasy world. Like, and we still get, we still get that today as adults. There's very few things in life that stick with us, right? Yeah. We look back on our childhood and with nostalgia and think, oh, if only I could experience that again, the excitement. That I a book keeps us connected all the way through our life. And that's what everyone's creating. Who's listened to this podcast, they are writing magic, mm. right? It's, it's just, it, it excites me to think about the benefits, but it's hard work and we don't beat around the bush on this podcast. We, we, don't, we don't try and make it, make it out to be, easy and that's why we've got the academy that's why we if 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 you want to have a you know a a, a journey a supportive journey and someone some some uh, people looking out for you in a community that are cheering you all the way not not a community that are on facebook 
you know, on some massive group of 50,000 people where they're all talking about how much money they've made. Yeah. That's really, that's, that's good. That's good for measuring things. And, and, and that's, that's necessary and important. I do think those are good things, but you need to also have a group of like-minded authors who are all being real about how hard the journey is. Mm. being real about the challenges that being real about their mental health issues, being real about um, the, the critic in the head that's still telling them they're not good enough. Mm. And they're thinking of quitting. Don't quit. You can't quit because you can quit from writing, but writing will never quit you. Let me get back to it. Let me talk about <clears throat> one of our friends of the podcast, Sarah Pimbra. Okay. Now for a lot of people, Behind her eyes might be the first time they heard of her, because you know, big Netflix show, uh, and they might think, "Oh, overnight success." Well, Sarah's first book, I think, it was The Hidden, was published in two thousand and four. So she wrote a, a whole bunch of horror novels for a publisher called Leisure Books, and she—I'm looking at a wiki here. So she did one a year from two thousand and four right through to two thousand and nine. So that's you know. One, two, three, four, five, six, six books there. Then she did some Doctor Who tie-ins, a Torchwood tie-ins. Um, she wrote some short stories. She did a trilogy for Golance, the Dog Face God series. She did three fairy tales. And then she uh, did a, a bunch of standalones. Uh, she did a couple of fantastic books for, for Golance, like The Death House, uh, 13 Minutes. Then... Let's have a look. 13 years after the publication of her first book came behind her eyes. Um, oh, she also did the Nowhere Chronicles as well before that. So, you know, she's, she's written 15 or so books before she got the big one. Uh, and I can tell you, you know, she paid her dues. There's, there's, no, there's no overnight success. But I know Sarah has that commitment to the reader. You know, she's not she's 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 when you read behind her eyes it's all about you know she's promised you a thrilling page turning story and she's delivered and you know she's got rid of that first chapter that didn't work and that fourth chapter that didn't work it's all about giving the reader the best time possible and that's you know she paid her dues and she hits the big time because of that and i can't tell you how how many failed novels i've got for unfinished novel scripts finished novels that went out and never got anything you know persistence it is a long game it's not a question of as we said in our first year 12 months and then we we put a book out and that was great fun but for me that was that was one stepping stone in a much longer journey and you just have to keep at it and don't give up and don't give up and and as long as you keep fulfilling that commitment to the reader you are a success and you will get better and you will improve. And, um, you know, you, ne you never know, you might end up like Sarah. But to be honest, as long as you keep making that connection, you're a success. Yeah, absolutely. Writing each day may, may, means you're writing, means you're a writer. And actually, it's kind of interesting. We talk about this choose your own adventure within the academy. It is not about having to write a book in a year. That's just the challenge that we like to lay people down. Some people have written their book in a year. Other people are still struggling with their first draft. Um, but, and other people have, have finished their first draft. Other people have got their, their, their manuscript, um, you know, with an editor now. So there's all, everyone's at different stages. 
um, to be challenged to do something gives you a bit more of an incentive to aim for that goal. But if somebody takes five years to write a book in the academy, we we celebrate that as much as someone that writes a book in three months, right? Because it's it's a recognition of whatever else is going on in their life. They may not be able to write a book in a year, but um, it's really it's really brilliant. And um, I actually want to celebrate a few a few of the wins that we've seen in the academy. Um, and one of the things that we're going to be starting to do on this podcast is highlighting um, some of the academates who. Um, are, are already on that kind of road to success. And um, ironically, this this week we were we were going to start this um, new spotlight feature um, with Adam Jarvis, who's who we've travelled with in the academy the last year. And um, ironically, just before we were going live with this show, we found out that Adam had announced that he's received a full request from an agent for his book. He's been working hard and he's been, oh, he's been so, so oh, dedicated man. to the cause. So it's been hard. incredible. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but the delight of his post, to, you know, you could read his joy. <laughs> I've actually got a full request. Um, but so, so Adam's off and running. Um, things are happening, but we're, we're still going to do this spotlight because we think, well, you know, he's had one interest from an agent, but let's, let's get some other agents interested. So, um, Adam is writing, has written a book called Ribbon Road, which is a middle grade fantasy. And we're in the academy. We ask people to create their book hook, which is their short one liner, which kind of draws people in. So this is Adam's um, uh, book hook for Ribbon Road. Trapped in the multiverse, a 13-year-old loner discovers she can amplify magic and must learn to work with others to defeat a sentient black hole. (laughs) (laughs) So if you, if that appeals, if you're an agent listening to this show and that appeals to you and you want to get in touch with Adam, then drop us a note um, at the bestseller experiment um, on the contact form and we will put you in contact with Adam. Um, And He's an incredible writer. I mean, you've you've coached him directly, Mark, haven't you? In the one to ones that we do, we've had the one to ones and and uh, the the monthly coaching as well. We've we've had great conversations, and uh, I mean, talk about someone who is committed to being a great writer and you know fulfilling that commitment to the reader as well. Uh, he's you know I look at Adam, and it's just it's just a matter of time. That's all mm. it is. It's just a matter of time. Absolutely. And so if you're interested in finding out more about Adam and his journey, uh, his website is adamjarvisauthor.com and you can follow him um, on Twitter at uh, nemacocky, which is M-N-E-M-A-C-O-C-Y, N-E-M-A-C-O-C-Y. So Adam, we've got all our fingers crossed for you and obviously we continue to support you in the academy. Um, so, Mark, we've got a lot of other wins that have happened as well this last couple of weeks, haven't we? What stood yeah. out for you? Let's go. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Um, and we've got Anne, who's who says this is going to see seem absurdly small to many folks, I'm sure. But I've written at least 200 words every single day for seven days in a row. This is not my norm, and it feels like I'm charting a new course. Hopefully, my post will encourage others to share the small stuff. Special thanks to my buddy Carl for keeping me on my toes. So that's that's someone at the beginning of their journey, those first few steps, 200 words every day for a week. We say to people, try it for five days, try it for a week, see if it sticks. And Anne started that. And this is it. Here she goes. She's off. You know, that momentum is already building. Yeah. And that's 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 as big a breakthrough as finishing your book. 
because without that, you don't finish a book <laughs> in many cases, right? So that's incredible, Anne. Congratulations on doing that. And, um, you know, we mentioned Adam as well, like looking, looking, I think he mentioned that he just hit 300 words. He's been doing 300 day consecutive writing. Um, but, uh, but others as well, we've had, um, uh, we, we've had, I scan, I scan down through the list on this share your wins. We've had, um, you know, hunting her manuscript is officially officially done um you know and um it, it, sam said that she she was kind of sad in a way because she didn't quite hit her deadline she was off by a month or two and everyone was like don't be silly this is amazing you've done it you know people are so hard on themselves and i love the fact that people are celebrating and everyone's celebrating with them um what other wins have you seen mark as well recently well, Denise Ganley said that the, the anthology that's publishing my very first short story did a cover reveal and has gone live for pre-orders on the Kindle version. It's starting to hit me now. This baby is going live uh, very soon and people I know and people I don't know will start reading my story. It's both nerve-wracking and exciting. What is super cool is there are other writers who have contributed to the book and I'm genuinely a fan of their work. So it's a total pleasure to have my name in black and white with theirs, especially for my first publication. And the anthology is called So West Love Kills and it's a Sisters in Crime Desert Sleuths anthology. And uh, that's coming out on September 6th, so really, really soon. So do check that out. Um, but that's, you know, first short stories. And Again, going back to talking about Sarah Pimbra, you know, that started out with short stories and, and getting published. And, you know, we had Mel last week getting published in Clark's World. This is how careers start. So big congrats to Denise. Mm. And I love as well, I, I, I mean, I'm just flicking back through the, the last like 12 months of posts here on the, the Share Your Wins forum. And there was one that like things like this really jump out. Like Sandra said that she received feed she received welcome feedback from on her web web page from a reader of her medieval fantasy the guardian forest that's by sandra hunter and and she said she said that the the this um a person said loved it loved all the characters can't wait for the sequel and when you hear that there's someone there waiting for that next book that you're really struggling with and you're like oh and you know that there's someone out there who appreciates what you do um, she said, I really needed to see this at this time and was thrilled. Um, now, so it's, and, and she said, you know, it helped to break through some of the, the kind of the paralyzing fear that, that, um, you know, her, her sequel, uh, was causing her. So I, th I think it's, it's so important to, to remember as well, that these are all like reader feedback again, going back to what we were talking about earlier. It's so important to keep the fuel going and, Getting to the end, getting that book out there is so important because that's when you can start to get that kind of feedback where you see that what you're writing is relevant. People are appreciating it. You have an audience and they want more. Mm, the connection with the reader. Absolutely everything. Well, look, um, folks, if you want to get in touch, drop us a line. Uh, go, go to bestsellerexperiment.com and you'll find a contact tab there. Tell us about the successes, your connections that you've made, how you're getting on with your writing. We're also on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram is at Bestseller XP. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, if you enjoyed listening to Kia and have been inspired by her, then tell your friends, spread the word, uh, give us a star rating on your podcast supplier. Those things always help make us more visible and get the word out to more writers out there. Excellent stuff, folks. And remember, if you want to get involved in the Academy, 
Join us this September for the journey of a lifetime. Uh, you will be blown away by what we have on offer there. Um, but you only have two weeks from when this podcast goes out um, to, jo- to to get your application in. So get your applications in before the 31st of August um, in order to join us at the uh, first week in September for um, the most incredible journey. And uh, we've got so many incredible things planned over the next year, Mark, as well for the Academy. I, I haven't even got time to go into all of them, but... Um, just watch this space. We'll talk a little bit more about it on the podcast in the future, but do join us. We'd love to, to love to have you. So pop along to academy.bestsellerexperiment.com and get your application in now. So Mr. Stay, have a great week. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've got some brilliant interviews coming up and some yeah, very interesting got, names. Got some, well, we got, we got just a teaser. We've got Piers Torday, who's amazing. Steve Kavanagh is coming back and Sarah Denzel as well. And there's one, one name, uh, not 100% confirmed yet. I just want it, but very, very yeah, yeah, exciting. Yeah. Uh, he, the, uh, triumphant return. Triumphant return of one of our very Triumphant return for one of one of our very early, should we say yeah. very early potential. Uh, yep. um, if you are in, if you enjoyed the first season, uh, you may recognise that person's name. Mm. No more clues, folks. But um, it's been absolutely brilliant, Mark. Uh, have a fantastic week. And it's a goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2. Ta-ra. Goodbye. Bye.